3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No
1: purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell, a couple of former Duke roommates who are now legal eagles in the states of florida and texas if you have any legal needs please reach out to them at birdcampbell.com duke fans welcome to dbr podcast number one two zero 120 of these babies in the books. Actually, not in the books yet. We're, we're just starting it. It'll be in the books in about 30, 45 minutes or so when we're all done with this. This is our official NBA Draft podcast. The draft is still going on as we speak, and we're going to discuss what's happening in just a moment. But first, before I do any of that, I need to tell you who the heck I am. I am Jason Evans. Uh, you know me on the DBR boards. I have a very secretive name. My name is Jason Evans. So uh, (laughs) I'm joined, as I almost always am, by my good buddy, Donald Wine, Blazing DW. Donald, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing okay. Uh, For the the people out there, just so you know where we're at right now in the draft, I'm going to sing a little tune. And I'm free,
1: free free-falling.
0: You are no Tom
1: Petty, my friend, but I know who you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that was it that's all i had i'm sorry that's all that's all you got all you got is a, is one bar free falling by tom petty we're going to discuss it, it who is free first up. i want to bring in the third member of the team sam klein could not join us and so we have a special guest our special guest from the dbr boards you know him as c do the letter c d u um, he is one of the best NBA minds on the board, in my opinion. I have to tell you, when Sam told me he couldn't make it for the podcast tonight, I said to him, should we get someone to fill in for you? And he and I, at the same moment, both said, we should get c Um uh, Introduce yourself to the masses. Uh, Mikey.
0: Hey,
2: thanks, Jason. And uh, wow, that's quite the, uh, quite the compliment there. Uh, much appreciated. The check is in the mail um uh mickey wilson uh Wait, you don't glad have to address, be uh <laughs> <laughs> glad to be uh glad to be joining you guys uh much appreciated
1: uh so mikey um the way this is going to work is i'm the host i'm going to put questions to you guys and then i'm going to whatever you say i'm going to probably refute it and and talk about it as well so that's that's how the podcasts go but we're going to start with what the live situation is as we speak. There have been 58 selections in the NBA draft. Number 59 is coming right now. Our plan originally, folks, was to do all this before, I'm sorry, once we had all the Duke players drafted. And we thought, oh, once all the Duke guys are done, we'll start recording. Well, it's, getting, it's midnight, <laughs> and I got to work in the morning, and it's late. And so we're going to start now, even though the draft isn't over, and also even though not all the Duke guys have been taken. Pick number 59, George King of Colorado just came off the board and Trevon yeah. Duval has not been drafted. That is what Donald was alluding to with the free fall in comment. I want to table Trevon Duval for the moment. Let's start at the top. We'll get to Duval in a minute when we know what his final fate is as it is revealed in the next several moments. But let's begin at the very top of the draft. Donald, give me your take on Marvin Bagley going number two to the Sacramento Kings paired alongside Harry Giles.
0: Uh, I'm not surprised. You know, when I was thinking about where he was going to end up, I, I thought he was actually going to end up uh, in your neck of the woods, Jason, in Atlanta with the Hawks uh, simply because I thought that uh, the Kings would take Luka Doncic at number, at number two, but I think they did right by drafting Marvin Bagley at number two. He is, in my opinion, the best player in the draft and pairing alongside some of the young guys that they have, De'Andre Fox, uh, I'm sorry, De'Aaron Fox, um, Harry Giles, and then Willie Cauley-Stein to kind of show him the ropes at, 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 as a big man. They're going to be a really interesting team to watch over the next couple of years as that core develops. And uh, I think he's in a great situation with Sacramento. Hey,
1: uh, Mikey, tell me, uh, do you think that I wonder something. Does this pick say something about what the Kings think about Harry Giles? I would yeah. think that Giles and Bagley feel pretty similar to me.
2: Yeah, you read my mind, Jason. Um, when I I, I I agree with Donald. I love the pick for uh, for Sacramento, um, but I couldn't help but immediately thinking, man. That, well, two things. One, they they kind of sound like the Detroit Lions taking wide receivers. Um, and hey, that's a, that's a sort two... of subject.
0: That's a sort <laughs> <here>. of Sorry.
2: <laughs> Sorry about that. But two, you know, it really, um, really put a, a question in my mind about uh, what Harry Giles' future is there. Um, and they have a ton of front court guys. It's not just uh, Willie Cauley Stein and, and Giles. They have Scow, uh, Um not, not that he's necessarily any good, but they have. I mean, they they. Spent draft capital on him. Um, I think they still have Zach Randolph for another year. Not that that's a, a long-term issue, but uh, so there's just a, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of bodies there. Um, and I, I kind of feel like uh, Harry is going to be the one that that loses out in that. Um, but you know, it's a great 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 uh, fit for uh, Bagley, and I think he's going to do really well there. Uh,
1: so you know, one thing I noticed not not that this has anything to do with. Bagley, um, Bagley's playing time, but did, I thought Bagley sounded terrible in his interview. To me, he seemed utterly unprepared. He he kept on saying man. He was like, yeah, man, uh, man, I think man, uh, even though the interviewer was a woman. And, and I get that man is sort of a, a holding word for people, but I, I, I thought he seemed kind of overwhelmed. His answers weren't all that good, even though you would think... He knew he was going to go number two or number three. I mean, it's not like this was a huge surprise for him. Um, I I, I like it when Duke guys get picked and they sound intelligent and they come across impressively. And I I was disappointed in Bagley in that regard. Doesn't really matter in terms of his basketball skills, but just something I noticed, some notes that I took. I did like his outfit. Donald, I know you are a fashion guru. We're going to talk a little bit of fashion for a second. Bagley had
0: a picture of himself
1: in the lining of his jacket. That's <laughs> that is an a, arrogant that's thing a, to do.
0: That's a big thing with a lot of these guys. You saw some, uh, some guys had their college numbers or their college jerseys in there. Some guys had you know, tributes to their home country or, or, or their city. Uh, and Bagley went with himself. I, I, I kind of like it. It kind of brings a little swag to the, to the whole situation. But to touch on in the interview part, I'm not overly concerned with that. And here's why he he's literally has the next 15 years of his life to learn how to be a good interview. Uh, it, I'm not really worried about him. Just like these guys, they don't have to come out the blocks being the best uh, at anything that they're doing. And I, I attribute interviews to that as well. So uh, I know he's going to improve. He obviously got some experience with it, uh, with you know the Duke Blue Planet videos that uh, Duke likes to do, the program likes to do. But uh, I'm not overly concerned with that.
1: All right. So I want to yeah. move on a little bit. And, and uh, sorry, I just want to move on really quickly because we got we got a lot of guys to talk about. Um, and uh, up next, uh, uh Mikey, you have to talk <laughs> about Wendell Carter going to your Chicago Bulls. I know you're a huge Bulls fan. Uh, right. Am I right about that? Oh,
2: yes. Oh, yes. That's probably an understatement. But yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you, uh... you,
1: you, you have to be thrilled by that choice for them.
2: Oh yeah it's a, i mean it's a, 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 of the you know aside from something crazy happening and someone like Bagley falling to 7 um uh, you know that's about as good as i could have hoped um he he he, de- he fits really well next to uh, our kind of centerpiece Lowry Markkanen um you know does does all the th- things that Markkanen doesn't do um in terms of rim protection uh, rebounding any uh, any he, he shoots. I mean, you know, he does a little bit of everything, uh, but it's just a really good fit. And you know, it's always great to keep that uh, that that uh, trail of uh, Duke draft picks going to the Bulls. So I can't complain.
1: Donald, what you what you got on Carter? Uh, were, you, were you at all surprised that there was a little bit of talk? Maybe that he could have gone a little tiny bit earlier. Do you think this is the right spot for him?
0: Oh, I actually picked him to go in this spot, and and the reason why I did is because the Bulls need a player of that caliber with the skill set that he has. Um, You know, a guy who can rebound, a guy who can block shots, a guy who's very smooth in the paint uh, on the offensive end, a major inside presence. That's something that the Bulls have needed for quite a while. And and I think, you know, as the chips started falling uh, with regards to some of the other players, it became much clearer that, when Carter was going to be here uh, when the Bulls picked, and he was not going to get past them. So uh, I think it's a tremendous fit for him. Um, I, I'm not going to like him being in Chicago uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, shout out to the Pistons who had no picks uh, until like pick 42. Um, but I, I think for him, it is a it is the absolute best place he could have ended up, and I think he's going to thrive there.
1: So really quickly, um, getting to the the thing that I'm going to focus on, Um, continually tonight. Uh, I loved uh, uh, Wendell Carter's outfit. I love the little African tiger wrap thing he had uh, inspired by Black Panther. They said his parents had matching ones. Um, Anytime you can uh, wear something that's inspired by Black Panther that is Wakandan, I'm I'm all in favor of that. I thought that Carter... I, well, kind of forever. I thought that uh, Carter sounded better than Bagley in his interview. Carter came across really, really nicely. Uh, one weird thing on the broadcast. Did you guys notice with with a lot of these picks, they would go to Chauncey Billups, who, who's terrible, by the way. Um, <laughs> so much worse than Jay Billups. Chauncey's awful. I don't know why they use him on these broadcasts, but they go to Chauncey Billups after each pick and they'd ask him for his comparison. You know, who does this player compare to from NBA history? And I can't believe that they didn't pick Al Horford. Everyone says Wendell Carter reminds them so much of Al Horford. Instead, they chose Carlos Boozer and Chauncey Billups. I don't know what he was thinking with the Carlos Boozer comparison. I don't see Boozer and Carter being at all similar. Boozer never averaged more than you know, like 0.6 or 0.7 blocks per game in the NBA. I think Carter is going to be a rim protector. Boozer never shot three-pointers other than, you know, desperation heaves. I think Carter has the range to to move out and take the three-pointer. I just thought it was a really weird comparison. And then uh, there was also some great stats I saw that cropped up after Carter was selected. Um, It was pointed out that Wendell Carter is, you know, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter combined are the 24th and 25th lottery picks of coach K's career 25 lottery picks more than any coach in history more than any program in history take everyone who's ever coached at Kansas take everyone who's ever coached at UNC everyone who's ever coached at Kentucky coach K has more lottery picks than all the rest of them and also that I thought this was interesting top 10 picks guys drafted in the first 10 draft uh, picks in the draft since the year 2000 UConn has had eight, Arizona has had eight, Kentucky has had 12, Duke leads the way with 14. Um, And uh, uh, the Duke men's basketball Twitter um, tweeted this out. I thought it was great. Top three picks since Coach K arrived at Duke in the mid-1980s. Top three picks in the NBA draft. Duke has 12, Kentucky has six, UNC has five. And Duke men's basketball pointed out that the best play here some amazing stats about, about Duke basketball and, uh, uh, you know, and, and how, how well, how, what a great job we do at pushing guys into the NBA. And I believe this is like, I think I saw this is the fourth, this is the fifth year in a row, fourth or fifth year in a row, the Duke has had a top three pick. That's crazy. That is just a silly, silly number. All right. I want to move on to the next Duke guy that gets picked. And, and I think if, if we'd been having this discussion two weeks ago, uh, we would have said that the next Duke guy to get picked was going to be um, Trevon Duval. I'm sorry, it was going to be Gary Trent. Uh, and it turns out um, uh, the next guy to get picked was Grayson Allen, who who goes to the Utah Jazz, um, gets to play for uh, Quinn Snyder, who I'm sure over the years they have met. And uh, Quinn, uh, you know, Quinn obviously can get out the phone to Coach Gay, knows exactly what he's getting in Grayson Allen. Grayson, by the way, is the 38th first round pick of coach K's career have i thrown out enough numbers lately no one's gonna be able to follow any of this this would be better in a post than it would be on a podcast oh well what what the heck in any event quinn uh gets grayson in utah a, a nice situation donald talked to me about it and talked to me about donovan mitchell and quinn and uh, grayson's relationship
0: yeah i it was funny uh that you know during the interview he was uh speaking and all of a sudden donovan mitchell just came up and just gave him the biggest bear hug and was you know you know, messing with his uh, his jacket and all that stuff. Um, that shows you that, you know, and they said it during the broadcast. They said for all the talk about whether GMs and other teams would, uh, and teammates would take to Grayson Allen and the ant, quote unquote antics that he's had over the years, that shows you right there. I mean, this is a, a Donovan Mitchell and Grayson Allen had their, you know, toss, uh, tussles during, you know, when they were both in college and for him to be the first guy to really jump up and welcome him to the Jazz, I think he's going to fit in great there. And uh, here's another thing that I, I will give props to Grayson for. Shout out to him for not being invited to the green room at the draft, but he showed up to Brooklyn anyway. Like that is, I, I always love that because, you know, he gets to hear his name called. He gets to walk across that stage with his hat and get a handshake from another fellow Blue Devil, uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, and be welcoming into the NBA. Um, it's always great because that means you show confidence in yourself, that you know that you're going to make it, and you want to be there for that moment. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool for him to do that. So um, I, I like the relationship that they have. I like the situation that he's going to be in. He's not going to be counted on to do much um, initially, but uh, but provide some good scoring and provide some you know good you know tough play. That's what Utah the Utah Jazzers, bring into the table right now, and he could be a you know one of the uh, nice pieces in there. Hey, hey Mikey, is he just uh, is he Donovan Mitchell's backup? Is that is that
1: going to be Grayson's role? You think?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably the um, the primary role there. I mean, they have they still have Rubio at point guard, and they still have, and obviously Donovan Mitchell uh, as their lead guard. Um, I, 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 I think he'll fit nicely in a rotation with those guys. He can, you know. He and Mitchell can both handle the ball um, and uh, and do some playmaking, and uh, and obviously Rubio is a you know good pass first point guard, Um, and you know obviously Allen can play. uh, He's done all right for himself playing shooting guard over the years too. So I think that's that's probably where he fits. And I I, I'd be pretty surprised if he's a a starter um, in in the short term. I mean, I, I won't say anything. You know, with his athleticism and his shooting ability, there's I won't put a ceiling on where he could end up, but, uh, but in the short term, I'd be pretty surprised if he was more than, you know, the, the third guard in that um, in that rotation.
1: Yeah. But that's, you know what, uh, that, that's perfectly fine. You go into a team that is uh, a very successful team um, with a really good coach who has a reputation already as a guy who develops players really nicely. I, I think it's an absolutely fabulous situation with Grayson. Um, there have been some talk he, he might, uh, end up on the Atlanta Hawks. I'm glad that he didn't. Um, uh, because I think, you know, I think it's sort of better sometimes, especially if you're a guy who's kind of NBA ready, like Grayson is as a senior to, to be in a situation where you're not going to be asked to do too much, not going to be too many expectations, go out there, learn a little bit about what it's like to play at this next level. Um, uh, you know, get your, you know 8 to 12 minutes a game and begin to develop as a as a pro as opposed to being thrown to the wolves which would have happened if he'd been taken by a team that uh, you know didn't have as as many good backcourt players as as a team like Utah does
2: yeah i think um it also helps to go to a team that's you know going to be in the playoff hunt uh for the foreseeable future i think um you know just for the exposure uh you know you see what happened for a guy down, that played down the road, Danny Green, um, kind of coming in as a as a role player on a on a championship level team. I, you know, I don't know that the Nuggets are or sorry, uh, the Jazz are quite on a, a championship level, but uh, but they're they're going to be relevant uh, in in uh, April and May uh, for the you know for the foreseeable future. So yeah, it's a great opportunity. I think it's a really good fit, and you know who, who knows that you know. But like I said, with his athleticism and shooting ability. I mean, he, you know, he, he'll, he'll play a lot in the NBA and he may be a starter sooner rather than later. So I, I, yeah, it's a great, great fit for him.
1: Uh, so uh, before we uh, move on to the second round, uh, I want to reflect a little bit back on the first round. Um, and uh, Mikey, let me go back to you. Um, did you have anything more you want to talk about with, with the first round, either with the Duke guys or, or, or other guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would just like to, well, well I'm a Bulls guy, so I apologize ahead of time. But, uh, uh, you know, I think with Wendell Carter, um, I think the the biggest thing is, I, I, he, I know he got a lot of flack or some flack from some folks about the comments about, uh, you know, we didn't get to do all, you know, we can do uh, at Duke. I think with him, that's probably more true than for just about anybody else, um, it, it, just by virtue of playing next to uh, Bagley. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, I think he's going to show a lot more um, in the NBA than he was able to in college, just by virtue of having that extra space and a, a, you know, having a larger role. Um, so really looking forward to seeing what he does um, next year.
1: So so the, for me, there were a couple things in the first round, and Donald, I'll get to you in just a moment on the first round that I wanted to reflect on, um, not not necessarily involving Duke guys. Um, Jerome Robinson of Boston College went in the lottery. Man, I mean, <laughs> I, I am, not that he's not that good, because he's a really good player, uh, you know, absolutely deserved to to get serious NBA consideration, uh, you know, and be a high draft pick. But I mean like a week ago uh, it wasn't even a sure thing that Jerome Robinson was going to go in the first round. He must have had some incredible workouts, great interviews, teams must have seen stuff they loved on tape because uh, when he entered the draft, you know, it wasn't a sure thing that he was that he was going to stay in the draft. Um I, I found that um shocking and and good for him, you know. G- great job Jerome. Um and then uh, another ACC guy that surprised me, Josh Okogi went number 20. Um, again, he's a guy that when he entered the draft process, uh, a lot of people thought he he might end up pulling out, that he'd be a fringe first-rounder. He goes number 20. He had a really good combine. It shows what having a good combine will do for your draft stock. Um, you know, Congrats to him. And then the last guy in the first round I want to talk about, is there anyone in the world of the NBA who had a worse nine months than Michael <laughs> Porter Jr. Michael, po- yeah, that, that, that dude, uh, nine months ago, before he got hurt, he was in line to be the number one pick. I mean, people were absolutely, it was going to be him or Bagley uh, or, or Aiton. Um, and then he got hurt. He missed his entire college season. And he missed a chance to play with his brother to play under his father who is an assistant coach at Missouri and then he sees his draft stock plunge he almost fell out of the lottery and I looked if he'd gone at number 3 which I you know I'm saying that's that's like you know 9 months ago that was his low point his floor was the number 3 pick if he'd gone number 3 he'd be making 5.5 million dollars a year on his contract instead as the number 14 he's going to make 2.5 million dollars a year he, his salary has been more than halved. He cost himself probably 15, 18, maybe $20 million over the life of his rookie contract. Um, now, that said, $2.5 million a year, I'll take it. <laughs> Not bad, you know, if you can get it. But still, I, I, I feel for the guy because he got hurt. Nothing you can do about it. All right, Donald, I want to go to you now really quick. Before we get to the second round, give me, like, was there one surprise? Was there one thing you saw in the first round that you want to talk
0: about? Yeah, in addition to what you mentioned, uh, I think Kevin Huerter going to your Hawks at nineteen because I mean, as quick as early as like you know, as late as like three weeks ago, they were saying that he was considering leaving the draft as well because they uh, that a lot of people had graded him well into the second round. Uh, well, I don't know who he listened to, but uh, he needs to buy him a nice steak dinner, a watch, and and a Bentley because uh, whoever he listened to. Kept him in, kept him in the draft, and he is a first round pick. Um, That was probably one of the surprises because, uh, you know, again, leading up to the draft, they were not sure where he was going to land if he was going to get drafted at all. Uh, And now he is in the first round and going to Atlanta. Well, by the way, Atlanta got him in the DBR mock draft also.
1: I picked him up for the Hawks in the mock draft, but I picked him up at number 34. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did he did a lot better in the real draft. He he wouldn't have even gotten a guaranteed contract from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents, let's move on to round number 2. Um, and, uh, a, a dookie goes fairly early number 38, Gary Trent jr. Goes to Sacramento. Uh, and at the, at the moment he went to Sacramento, we started, the three of us started hitting each other up, um, with, uh, uh, with text messages. Um, uh, Mikey, I think you were the one who said it's the Sacramento blue devils. Cause they would now have three blue devils with, with, uh, uh, Marvin Bagley and, um, uh, and Harry Giles um I immediately wondered I went wow this may not be a good spot for him cuz I know Sacramento has a lot of guys under contract and I looked it up they had 13 guys under contract Marvin Bagley becomes number 14 plus they've got some cap room and you know they're going to probably try and bring in someone they're not going to just stash their cap room I think Sacramento after being down for several years is ready to start to get better and I went wow Gary Trent could be looking at being like Sacramento's two-way player with the G League like I don't think they can offer him a full NBA contract. They just don't have enough spots um, to offer him a contract. And then literally, as I was doing the research on this and looking it up, he got traded. He got traded to Portland, which is a much better situation. Um, they only have 10 guys under contract right now, Portland does, uh, and and Mikey, let, let me ask you, do you think he's a good fit? Even though Sacramento is a bad team, Portland's a really good team, but this may be a better spot, better landing spot for Trent.
2: Oh yeah, I think uh I think Sacramento, both in terms of having a bunch of people on the roster, they also have a bunch of uh a bunch of shooters. Uh, they have uh one of the Bogdanoviches, I can't remember which one it is, but he ha- they have one of the one of the two of them. Uh they have Buddy Healed, uh and uh so it's it's a crowded uh crowded wing rotation there. Um it's a crowd of wing rotation in Portland as well. They have CJ McCollum starting, um, and he's um yeah, he's pretty pretty entrenched there. Uh, they've got uh um Alfaru and uh and Mo Harkless at, at forwards, um you know obviously Daniel Lillard at point guard, but uh so that I mean it's not a it's not a wide open rotation there, but they they don't have a lot of great shooters. So uh Trent it's that uh, that role um, as a as a shooter off, off the bench, and they like you said, they certainly have the roster spots. So I think they'll get it. I think they'll get a, a good shot there. Um, and you know, obviously, any team that trades for you uh, has an interest in you, so that's always a positive sign. As opposed to someone just taking a, a flyer in the second round uh, with their draft pick. Um, so yeah, I think it's a much better. While I would have been excited for Sacramento, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a Bulls fan first, but I, did, I do like the, the Kings uh, in the West. Um, uh, I, I would have been excited to see him play with Bagley and Giles. He probably wouldn't have played much, if at all, um, with them. He has a good shot at, at getting into the rotation uh, in Portland.
1: Donald. Uh, Anything on on Gary Trent, Um, anything to add uh, about his spot and where he landed? Uh, Let let me ask you this. Do you think he's satisfied being the number 38 pick, um, or do you think there's any twinges of regret to wonder what would have happened if he'd come back?
0: So I don't know if there's any twinge of regret, but I do know this. Uh, The Portland Trailblazers are going to get a guy with a chip on his shoulder because I'm sure – Gary Trent Jr. was thinking he was going to go in the first round, that he was a first round talent and that he deserved to go in the first round. Um, he obviously slipped a little bit into the second round, but sometimes that means you end up in a better situation. And I think Nike nailed it when he said that uh, the Portland Trailblazers are a much better situation for Gary Trent Jr. To, to succeed. You know, they don't have a lot of shooters. He could eventually, you know, if you're grabbing them, they, they may see him as a backup to CJ McCollum which means he's going to get considerable minutes in the rotation. um, At least on the shooting side of things, you know, they have a lot of guys who can drive the lane and honestly, he will, he has the athleticism and that will be showcased and those kind of things will, will come about for him. But when it comes to his one thing that he was doing very, very well for us last year, that was his outside shooting. He's in a great situation for that. So uh, while I think that he probably is sitting there saying I should be I should have been a first round pick, hopefully that trans translates into his game and he comes out to the Portland Trailblazers and says I'm going to make 36 people regret that they didn't pick me.
2: It's almost like he'll fit into the exact same role that he had last year uh, for Duke um, because you know they have two pretty much ball dominant uh, guards. He's going to get open looks if he gets on the floor, um, mm-hmm. and like we saw at Duke, he he'll make them. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a really good opportunity there, and and sort of like the the Jazz, the the Trailblazers should be competitive. So he, should, he you know he, if he cracks into the rotation, he might be getting some uh, some playoff minutes, which is always great from a Duke perspective.
0: One thing uh, one last thing to note, you know, one thing that we talked about, Jason, on the podcast a lot during the season was Gary Transpositioning when he hit a lot of threes. And one place he really, really enjoyed shooting threes was in the corners. Uh in the NBA, if you can do a corner three, uh, you are going to be very successful because uh the way a lot of these offenses happen is uh one guy drives the lane on on an ISO and kicks out to the wing or kicks out to the corner. Um you get it's very easy to lose guys in the corner. And if Gary Trent can establish himself as, as a nice threat from the corner and from the wing, uh, he is going to get minutes. He's going to be on the floor.
1: I thought that we would be talking about another blue devil in the second round, but
0: the second round is now over it's
1: done. And Trevon Duvall went undrafted. Um, It is the first time in history that, that a, a, a Duke player has, has declared for the draft um, early and, and not been drafted. I, actually. Am I right about that guys? I, I know it's the first uh, one and done. That's going to drafted.
2: Shab technically, um, did that as well, but, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't, everyone knew he wasn't going to get drafted. That's right. Um, You're right about that. Thank know, you. But, but, but yeah, for the, for all, for, uh, for lack of a better word, like elite prospects, um, I and mean, Shab was coming out of high school, but, um, for a guy who many expected to eventually be a first round pick. Yeah. He's, he's the first of that.
1: Yeah. And, and look, we're talking about a guy who a year ago was easily a top 10 recruit. Um, It's just very rare for a top 10 recruit to, to fall like this. Um, uh, Mikey, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, Even though you just gave me a little bit of, of good Duke history on, on Shavlik Randolph, uh, you know, Talk to me about Trevon Duval and 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 speculate the same way we just did about Gary Trent Jr. Do you think Duval is upset that he um, didn't come back to Duke and maybe give it a shot for another year, or or do you think he would, this is a guy who's just ready to start his pro career even if it isn't starting the way he'd hoped?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I it's always always easy to to, to second guess in uh, in hindsight. I mean, you know, he, he was a top. Uh, top five, I think, recruit, definitely top 10 recruit. So I think he always envisioned himself as being a one and done. It's really hard to shake that mindset. Um, I think these guys, you know, they they come in having been stars their whole lives. And, um, you know, he played a starring role at Duke for, you know, not, the, not always as uh, smoothly as we would have hoped, but uh, he was the, the the primary point guard for most of the season. And, um, I, you know, I think he, I'm sure he has some regrets in terms of uh, not having had things work as well as he would have hoped in the draft, uh, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I think when you, when you picture yourself a one and done, it's, 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 it's hard to shake that. I mean, I, I think uh, Jim Sumner mentioned, you know, uh, Marquise Bolden uh, has envisioned himself as a one and done, even after his freshman year. And um, you know, it, it it takes it takes some uh, kind of soul searching to, I think, to reestablish uh, um to to be willing to kind of make that 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 shift in 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 your mind. Um, yeah, it's just a just an unfortunate circumstance. Hopefully, I mean, the good news is I, I I'm sure someone will take. Uh, Take a chance on him. A chance on him there as an the undrafted pre agent. Uh, he'll get an opportunity. He's got to. Um, he's got to work on that. 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 That jump shot and. Uh, uh and 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 hit free throws. Um and and improve the decision making. I mean. Uh, he's got the the physical tools are there obviously, but man, um yeah he's got it's it's a it's a there's a lot of development that needs to happen for him and and hopefully. Hopefully,
1: it, 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 he finds the right spot for it. Donald, do you think this – I mean, this is, we're, we're, we're talking about this like it's a big surprise, like it's a shock. Do you think Trevon Duval is, is shocked by this? Do you think maybe – I mean, were there any hints that this could happen, that he could go undrafted?
0: You know, I, I'm actually shocked by this because when it comes to players at Duke and testing – uh, you know, testing the waters, so to speak, with the NBA draft, we have what many consider to be the best draft analysis system of any college program. We have Coach K. You know, Coach K has an incredible network of coaches and players and, and general managers that he can talk to to gauge where a player is going to go. And I feel like if the draft grade came back and and Trevon Duvall was not going to be drafted, Coach K would have implored him to stay or he would have said, hey, this is, this, is where, this is what's going to happen. This is your reality. Maybe what they're telling you is come back for another year and maybe we have Trayvon Duval back in Duke Blue next season. I, I don't know where that went wrong or, or or if it went wrong because it could have been where they said, hey, you are going to be a second-round pick. At best, a, a low first round, a low second round pick and maybe undrafted. And Duval could have taken that information and, and went, OK, I understand. Thanks, coach, but I'm still going to go. Um, that's obviously something that could have happened. But I, I feel like something went amiss here because I, I doubt that uh, most fans would have thought that Trayvon Duval would have gone undrafted um, in, the, in this year's draft. Uh, that there were 60 players that you know NBA teams thought was better, but uh, yeah, I don't know where the breakdown is. I, I I'm not quite sure because like you guys have said, this is the first time this really that has really happened. You know, when guys go undrafted, we kind of figure it and see it coming. This was not the case for Trevon Duval, and uh, I want to know where that breakdown was, or if there was a breakdown at all, and he just decided that he was just ready to uh, take the next step.
1: You know, you made a great point about the the connections that Coach K and that the Duke program has to the NBA. It reminded me there was a there was a a, a, a a tweet, an image that was sent out. I think the Duke men's basketball sent it out earlier today. Um, uh, that that pointed out the number of Dukies who are. Connected to the top tier of NBA teams, Grant Hill is one of the owners of the Hawks. Steve Pagliuca, uh, whose son played at Duke and, and who's a Duke alumni and has been on the, the board at Duke, is the owner of the Celtics. Nicky Aronson, um, who's a Dukie, is the CEO of the Miami Heat. Quinn Snyder is a head coach. Tony Lang is is, an, is one of Quinn Snyder's assistants in Utah. Chip Englund is an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs. David McClure is an assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers. Bob Bender is an assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. Sean Dockery is a G League coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. Trajan Langdon is an assistant GM for the Brooklyn Nets. Sheldon Williams is a scout for the Nets. Elton Brand is an assistant GM for the
0: 76ers. I could go on and on. I mean, <laughs> Jay Batty, it, it, is isn't. In- Analytics for the Heat. Like I mean, we yes, have yes, literally Mar- in, in every on every level. We have owners, we have GMs, we have coaches, we have you know, you know, stat guys, we have you know, development guys, we have D league coaches, we yeah, have David, everything.
1: David Henderson and Marty Poschus are both um are both uh, scouts in the NBA. Danny Ferry is a special advisor to the New Orleans Pelicans. It goes on and on and on. So, I I, I would hope. That those folks were able to tell Coach K and Trevon Duval, this might happen, and that Duval is prepared for what comes next. Uh, and and I really wonder if what comes next. I, I I hope he's willing to make the sacrifice of taking less money and playing in the G League and developing his skills and working full time on that shot. Like Mikey said, he he needs to. And Mikey, you are one hundred and ten percent right about that. Um. I I hope that he does that as opposed to probably taking more money to go over perhaps and play in Europe or something like that, where I'm not where he will be sort of out of the NBA's eye. Cause I think Duvall has the body, the skills, the athleticism to be an NBA player someday. He just needs more time to develop. He needs more practice to develop. And I'm not a hundred percent convinced that coming back to Duke would have been the right thing for him. I think Not worrying about his studies and just worrying only about his his basketball might might actually be the smartest thing for a guy like this. Um, So I don't know that it's a terrible situation he ended up in here.
2: No, I think I think that's a a great point. Uh, As much as we all love Duke, and you know, not to say he did he didn't love Duke, a lot of these guys find that their experience in college is only. Somewhat preparation for what they need to do in the n b a and like you said, you're not a one hundred percent full time uh basketball player in school, especially at duke um for him, you know he could he could have certainly have developed with another year at Duke he would have been competing with another point guard, which may or may not have been optimal um you know we've certainly had two point guards work well together before um but uh he'll get if he if he's driven he'll have every opportunity to to show his skills uh, i think the g league's a good route um trying to latch on with a two-way contract would be a not terrible route um you know i i, I don't doubt that someone will give him a chance even with a with a uh, with an available roster spot um, above the g league, but yeah, it, it, there's there's a lot of uh, it, it, shooting is such a priority in the NBA these days and, and for a point guard to not be a good shooter uh, you know, is 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 a real detriment um, in in the league right now. so if he can if he can get that shot to fall, the rest of the physical tools, especially with the hand check rules in the NBA, and the you know the added space with uh the wider three point line and better shooters in general he could be a real really dynamic player but it's 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 just hard when you can't shoot um so it's 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 definitely disappointing um i don't doubt that he um i don't doubt that he uh uh was ready to go and and from that perspective you know it may not be the worst thing in the world it's disappointing for a Duke fan, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, he gets the shot together. Uh,
0: one final point on uh, on Duval: uh, the two most important words in his life at this point, summer league. He is going to have to try and find a summer league team uh, and and really show out because that is going to be the first step for him at this point uh, to getting uh, a chance to either make a training camp roster or to get onto the G League. That is his. That is his goal now. He has to really shine in the summer league. This is his. This is his now his his opportunity.
1: I, I think that is very very accurate. And and I want to point out, and we're about to wrap up here, folks. Um, but but uh, one of the things I wanted to say is that Trevon Duval is not alone. Um, there are a number of really really good college players, guys who would have impacted. The, the shape of what college basketball will be next year who chose to go into the NBA draft and it didn't work out for them. And I'm talking about Malik Newman of Kansas who had, you know, a really, really big game against Duke. Kansas is going to be in the top five. A lot of people think Kansas is preseason number one. Malik Newman declared for the NBA draft, came out and got undrafted. Wenyon Gabriel of Kentucky. Kentucky needs some big men Gabriel would have been uh, you know, another nice piece for a Kentucky team that's going to be a top-five team. Went into the draft, undrafted. Alonzo Trier and Raleigh Elkins of Arizona. I mean, Arizona's program is in a lot of trouble. Getting those two guys back, I, Arizona's probably a top-15, top-20 team if they have both those guys back. Neither one of them are going to be back at Kansas even though they both went undrafted. So Trevon Duval is not alone. There are plenty of other guys who – were sure, even though they were, you know, wading into the uncertainty of the NBA, they thought their name would be called tonight, um, and it wasn't. And then there are the seniors whose name wasn't called: um, Theo Pinson, Bonzi Colson. Uh, there, there are you know a lot of other guys who, you know, had great college careers, and um, and it's a bummer that uh, you know that they aren't that they're going to have a tougher road uh, to to make it to to the NBA, um, although I think, I, I mentioned Pinson and Colson specifically, both those guys I think some NBA team is gonna, yeah. I don't know it'll, it'll be a two-way player or something. Those two guys to me just impact the game in some special kind of ways and I think they'll find find something out there, but. Well, uh, Mikey Wilson, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Again, Mikey is cdu on the uh, DBR boards. We appreciate you filling in for Sam, giving us some um, some very smart NBA perspective. Donald Wine, my usual uh, cohort, partner in crime. Thanks for joining me here. It's uh, it's now 1240. Um, uh, no longer Thursday night. No longer draft night. It is the next morning. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for us here on the uh, DBR podcast, episode number 120, our 2018 NBA draft episode. I am Jason Evans. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back fairly soon. We're still trying to work on some, uh, some big-time interviews with some uh, folks who are connected to Duke. Hopefully, we'll get those for you in the next few weeks. Until then, for Mikey, for Donald, for the absent Sam Klein, I'm Jason, and Duke Band, it's your turn. Take us home.